the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. I am really excited to have Sneh Hadakia with me this morning. And yes, I had to learn how to say her last name this morning. How are you? Not your business, you personally. You know, I'm good. I'm a mom of two. So the fact that I made it out to work this morning, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I joke all the time with some of my other mom friends that are entrepreneurs. We started this club called Set the Bar Real Low for Motherhood. And as long as my kids are fed, they're safe, clean, I'm going to, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm air quoting clean, and they know that their moms are out there doing the best that they can for themselves and their family. That's all that matters. And so from that perspective, I showed up today for myself, for you, and for anyone that's listening listening with the hope that this conversation will leave them inspired, but at the very least feeling a little bit better about their parenting. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. Now, how is your business? Most people probably don't know what you've been through recently. So if you can fill us in on from here and what's been going on, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we started this company in May of 2020. So right when the pandemic hit, we realized very quickly that there was nothing out in the suburban neighborhoods for any of us to work from, meet from, get out of our homes. And then fast forward, we opened our first workspace in Plainfield, New Jersey in October of 2021. And our second workspace, which I'm speaking to you out of today, opened in November of 2022. And then sadly, in February of this year, our Plainfield workspace had to shut its doors because we experienced a fire. So we were a part of the large file that happened in downtown Plainfield. It shut down 15 businesses and displaced 20 residents. Mm. It was devastating to have spent so much time building up that workspace. I can't imagine. You know, to, to watch what you've built, right? What your team has built come to a screeching halt. In many ways, it was devastating. But Mm -hmm. the beauty, I think, of my team and our vision and our mission to truly support the communities that we're in, you know, we took that moment to say, ah, we can't believe this happened. And three moments later, we're like, what can we do? What can we do to make sure that we reopen and that we help all of our other businesses reopen and that we ensure that the city doesn't lose the momentum that it's built today when it comes to economic development, small business support, and all the other incredible things that we've been able to do through our free accelerator program and community programming. So there's a lot there and we're coming up with some really exciting ways. I know list some of which, you know, you and I are going to be talking about mm-hmm. to get back faster and to come up with creative ways to support what we're doing there. Outside of that here in Princeton, New Jersey, where our second location is, business is booming. We have really been able to find a wonderful opportunity to serve this community. And now we're going to slowly roll out a lot of that program programming, events, both social as well as professional, to give this neighborhood a community clubhouse that it was really missing and become hopefully the heart and soul of this community. I love it. I love it. You are so resilient. It's just amazing. And I hear a lot about service from you. And, you know, I think the the highest purpose we can have is to serve others. And I love that so much. So, you know, tell us what's different about your brand of co-working from other brands of co-working, because I feel like you guys are super unique. 
Yeah. And I think exactly what you said, right? Service. A large part of what we envisioned was to ensure that we created a true neighborhood workspace, right? Neighborhood, bold, underlined, italicized. And neighborhood means ensuring that everybody and anyone can have access to our workspace. And what I mean by access is access to safe and fast, reliable Wi-Fi, power outlets, right? A clean environment that's conducive to work or to meet or to any other, you know, whatever you end up bringing to the space. And so accessibility means going to your communities, right? In this case, suburban communities or urban communities, and then affordability. And what I mean by affordability is our rates start at $5 an hour for access to a beautiful work. Now, $5 an hour might not sound like a lot right, to other co-working operators, but $5 an hour here means for that one hour, we can serve that person and allow them to be productive, to be collaborative, or just to be safe and, you know, and secure in our space. And so we've created a model that truly is for everyone and anyone. And we can talk a little bit more about what that looks like. That when we think about our target demographic here, a lot of people are like, what's your target demographic? Is it this certain industry or age group or income level or job type? And we say, we're not here looking at demographics. We're looking at use cases. The use cases of a mom like me who just needs to get out of the home for a couple of hours because their toddler is there and they truly just can't get anything done. The use case of a small business owner who isn't ready yet for a brick and mortar business, but needs somewhere that is professional and beautiful to meet potential customers and clients, right? And the use cases continue, but I think we can all relate to them and all quickly realize that there is a space here that is truly dedicated to everyone and anyone. I love it. I love it. It's very unique. And I want, I know a bunch of people are like, but how can that make money? How can you sustain that? So how, how do you make money? How can you sustain that? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, working backwards from our mission, right, then becomes an actual mm-hmm. operating plan and execution. The first thing is, is that and maybe unlike some of the other co-working brands, which people are more... Um, uh, know more about, right? That focus on making an impact through larger square footage. Our goal is how can we make the most amount of impact with the least amount of square footage? And so our two neighborhood workspaces are 3,600 square feet and 5,000 square feet. We've really tried to maximize this for individual productivity as well as for smaller teams and events. And so our goal is, is volume, right? So we charge slightly more when you think about it, a monthly versus an hourly or a daily opportunity, Um, but we're based on volume. And so our goal is, is how do we see more people different, but more people on a daily or a weekly basis to make up for the lack of a subscription model or monthly income. And we do have that. But our goal is really serving the daily and hourly customer. We can get a larger lift financially and we're become a volume-based business. So we're really modeling ourselves less off of the co-working industry, but I'd say more of hospitality or retail. And I think that was a big differentiator for us. Smaller square footage, but really making sure that all of that square footage provides us with the most amount of value. And so outside of our Monday through Friday from eight to five workspace customers, we have a couple of different revenue streams also makes us the ability to be the affordable choice. The first is events. We realized that in the neighborhoods that we're in, people were truly starved for event space that didn't come with the frills of a catering company or, you know, a minimum food and beverage spend. And so people utilize us for their private events. So everything from first birthday parties to an Indian clothing and jewelry pop-up shop, 
arts and crafts classes, cookie decorating classes, coding classes, you name it. And we've even done a repass, but we've found that the community really wanted our space to be able to host their own professional and social gatherings. And we provide that again at a very affordable rate. So that's a really nice revenue stream for us. And then here in Princeton, we also have an on-site coffee shop because I think we can both agree that without <laughs> coffee, right, there's something missing in co-working. Um, I always joke that the co and co-working is really coffee. Um, <laughs> and so that creates a really wonderful revenue for us as well as marketing stream. But we get very, very creative on different revenue channels so we can keep our costs low. And the other thing I love is that um, you haven't like branded your space a ton so that people can turn it into whatever they want to. I think that's so smart. And I think a lot of spaces could really learn from that aspect for the for the events, right? Because it's really easy for somebody else to brand your space. That's right. We are very minimalistic here and very purposefully so. Our color scheme is white, black. We have this really beautiful gold, a couple of brass fixtures. But more than that, we wanted to have a completely neutral space that, again, didn't lean towards a certain demographic or a mm-hmm. certain you know, work personality or aesthetic. When people come in here, they can envision themselves in here. And that was very purposefully done. Um, And that, again, to your point, allows for anyone to bring their brand, their company, their voice into the space in a very seamless way. Love it. Love it. And so I know you have big plans. So I'm just curious, like, you know, is it New Jersey and then you're going to feather out from there? Are you going national right off the bat? Are you going global? What are we doing here? You know, our goal is to be in every neighborhood. There is something very special about that. Now, in the America mechanism, or New Jersey or where? I mean, the world. Why not, Liz? Okay. Right? To be, okay. to be in every okay. neighborhood across the world. We focused on New Jersey, especially because I'm personally a New Jersey resident. And um, honestly, New Jersey has been underserved from the co-working world all along. Absolutely. And just the diversity here of neighborhoods, right? Plainfield, uh, we're in downtown. It's an urban neighborhood. They're go- undergoing this incredible transformation. And we are truly serving a community, particularly small business owners and entrepreneurs there that otherwise have gone underserved. Um, And we have a free accelerator program there. But there's so much opportunity in Plainfield. And Plainfield, that neighborhood is replicated across the state. Then you have somewhere like Princeton that you can see across the state. Um, Transit villages here, farm areas. But really, New Jersey has such a diverse industry base, as well as just geography and the type of redesign and rebuilt that's happening across the state. And personally, you know, we've worked so closely with the New Jersey Economic Development Agency, the NJEDA, and the governor's office because they're so keen on having business stay here, supporting small business owners, and really providing a lifeline for people like myself that have been impacted by COVID, but it hasn't stopped them from wanting to fulfill their mission or purpose. So in many ways, New Jersey has been the perfect launch pad for us. And as we continue to iterate on different versions of from here, um, there's no better place to pilot it than New Jersey. I think that Love being it. said, um, there's so much opportunity out there in neighborhoods across different states, particularly underserved neighborhoods, both by co-working, but also just by lack of maybe a coffee shop that has Wi-Fi, right? A beautiful space outside of the home that can be utilized for work and for meetings. But Liz, when you think about it, I'm sure if we had like a T-Mobile right map where you can see where mm-hmm. service is. Similarly, if there was a co-working map that exists out there, there's probably large pockets 
in neighborhoods that that truly deserve a space like this so that they can find mm-hmm. their productivity in a way that makes sense for them. Yeah, you know, it's funny in the in the tiny towns in Texas, like every tiny town in Texas has a Dairy Queen and the Dairy Queens are where people gather, right? It's where people meet up, it's where people gossip, it's kind of where it all goes down, it's in the Dairy Queen. Yeah. Now imagine, and I'm going to tease some of the things that we're working on, but imagine if that Dairy Queen parking lot had an 8 by 10 container that had been reimagined into a one-person or a two-person or a four-person workspace. And you were able to tap a QR code, check in, and be able to now work from there, have a meeting, maybe a gossip session, whatever that might be, um, but do it in a way that was affordable that supported that Dairy Queen, right? They didn't take away the business, but mm-hmm. rather made them a destination for something mm-hmm. like this that in many ways enhanced their business and they were able to service their customers in a different way. And Love if you it. take the number of Dairy Queens that maybe are out there, right? <laughs> and if Dairy Queen is listening to this, please give us a call. But um, <laughs> there is there is such a unique opportunity here to take those watering holes, right, in those communities and turn them into places of productivity and collaboration at a very low cost. I can definitely say that one of the, I don't want to call them issues, but let's call it a challenge. The challenges in the co-working industry is servicing neighborhoods at the pace that we want to because our rate limiting factors here are leases, construction, staffing. But what if you were able to take away all of that and be able to drop off a workspace work lounge container in a neighborhood and have that have internet, solar powered, you know, electricity, everything that you would need in a workspace, but without all the frills and thrills that come with traditional co-working spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think if you take that vision and you run with it, now every neighborhood, every Dairy Queen, right, every gas station, every public parking lot can turn into a multi-use, multi-purpose area that can service its population in a way that makes sense for remote working. And now all of those remote work jobs that are isolated right, across certain neighborhoods because of essential services, mm-hmm. you've opened and unlocked that opportunity for those neighborhoods as well, too. Hey, hey, breaking in here to make sure that you're in the know. Our annual workspace conference, Juicy, is right around the corner. It's a three-day program to taking place in Chicago, April 19th through the 21st. This year's event is going to be packed with amazing speakers, exciting panel discussions, and fireside chats, plus plenty of after-hours events for networking. Whether you're a co-working operator, landlord, or vendor, just interested in the future of work, this conference has something for you. It's divided into tracks so that you can attend the sessions that are most relevant to you right here, right now. Mark your calendars April 19th through the 21st, and don't miss out on this opportunity to connect with others, learn from the best, and be a part of the co-working revolution. The content is great, but the people are better. You need to be in the room. Tickets are available at na.gcuc.co. Hope to see you there. Love it. Love it. I love neighborhood activation. And, you know, I just find that, you know, building space for community and belonging is just essential to our future because we're so disconnected and we're lonely and, you know, suicide rates are absolutely abysmal and places that help people with connection are the future. And I love what you're, what you're building. So what got you started in being like, okay, I'm going to do this. I am going to take this giant leap because you've got an interesting background. If you could share that a little bit, I think it'd be great to hear. Well, you know, if we were going to take it way back, you know, (laughs) I like, like many other, you know, first generation, you know, South Asians had dreams of becoming a neurosurgeon. And so I started, you know, my uh, 
career, I went to New York University pre-med neuroscience. Wow. And without really knowing the world of business, right? There were only so many opportunities that I thought I had available to me and becoming a doctor with the guise of really wanting to help people, right? That's where it started from. Mm -hmm. And as I went down this journey of being in New York City and finally being out of a very safe bubble, you quickly realize that there are so many other ways to be of service, right? To your community and to people. And through a failed attempt to maybe explore med school, I took a a pre-business class, marketing, and it opened up my world to other ways that you can influence and support people. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to graduate in 2008 when the entire market crashed and ended up taking a job at NYU in a neuroscience lab. So the classes that I had taken, I was now supporting. And I was like, you know what? Med school wasn't the right connection for me, but maybe it's a PhD. Maybe it's something else. And someone's like, how about you go and get your master's, right? Take a baby step. You're working at NYU. Go get a subsidized How is that a baby step? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess versus a dedication to to a a medical school. And it was in, you know, in the draft of going and getting a master's in psychology that I got really bad pick in classes. My lottery was just very bad. And I ended up registering for an industrial and organizational introductory class, IO psychology. And I kid you not, the first 15 minutes of that class changed my life because I realized that there was a business application to helping people. And for me, that ended up being human resources. So I went down, I I took this master's part-time, and I ended up doubling down on human psychology, executive coaching, training and development. And once I completed my master's, I had a wonderful opportunity to continue at NYU for a bit, and then ended up joining a company called Nielsen, which is most famously known for TV ratings. I took a two-year HR rotational program there, had a chance to travel the world with them, and quickly found that helping people be happier more successful at work was just as important as possibly being, you know, in an operating room. And the psychology of helping people, in many ways, I was a therapist, right? I was the person listening when things weren't going well at work. I was helping people build these incredible skill sets around leadership development and building teams and, and all these wonderful things. And so from Nielsen, I jumped into startups. We all got bit by the startup bug in New York at some point. I joined Namely for a little bit uh, in a wonderful company called Glint. And all along, I was helping either build teams, support teams, build technology with the hope of making people be happier and more successful at work. And then remote teams, right? So I had this opportunity to be fully remote. And I quickly realized that there are so many benefits to being remote, especially personally. And, you know, at this point now being pregnant with my first. But to your point, Liz, the loneliness that came with working remote and, Mm -hmm. you know, the want to go out into your neighborhood and realizing that you had two options. It was either the Starbucks around the corner (laughs) or the library, neither of which made sense for so many ways. Right. Um, It's so similar to my journey. I was working remote for Dell and I could go to a Starbucks or I could work out of my home. And that was like before Starbucks had like good internet. (laughs) I mean, it was terrible. I was like, I can't work like this. There has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. And, you know, it was funny because from all of my travels, this idea of an internet cafe, I was like, why don't we have internet cafes here? Totally. You know, and that's what it is from here in its current day is a glorified internet cafe. Mm -hmm. And I've had people say, don't demean yourself. And I'm like, no, no. Internet cafe is the exact way to think about this, right? We are, we we are a cafe, quote unquote, we have coffee on site, but our goal is to provide internet 
to people that are working. And yes, we've we've rounded it out beautifully with the amenities of a co-working space. But in many ways, people just needed a place that they can go to plug in and get connected that was reliable. And that is what an internet cafe is. And that is what we are doing here at its very basic. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many rural communities that need that. And it's that that access to the internet that gives people access to education and to courses and into information and can really help, you know, next level their lives. So I love your purpose. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I think a lot of people that are listening are going to want to empower you. And I'm just curious, like, especially having just dealt with a fire, is there a way people can support you? Well, so, you know, it's funny. The second that that workspace shut down, all of the incredible things that we were doing there with the community, the accelerator program, everything started to feel out of reach, right? We had we had finally made that impact in the community. And maybe the revenue wasn't necessarily pouring into the door, but we had made it known that we were there for the community with the hope that it would come back to us. And now that mm-hmm. one place that people were relying on shut its doors. Now we're like, well, let's pilot something new. So let's go back to the Dairy Queen and the containers for a moment. <laughs> You know, we found this incredible company that makes these beautiful workspace containers. And we said, would you want to pilot with us? We have this really unique opportunity in Plainfield to continue our services in a a much, you know, more simpler form. But I don't want the cohort to lose its momentum. We have a mail service. We have over 100 customers that are registered in the city of Plainfield as a business. So just the sheer impact on the city itself to have that. And so hopefully starting mid-April, we will have set up four containers, um, two private offices, a meeting space, and a welcome center. And we are going to actually pilot this opportunity in Plainfield with the hope that whoever is listening and the surrounding neighborhoods and communities and businesses will come and visit us, see what the future of work could look like, take a tour, right? Work there for an hour, give us their feedback but actually help us take this idea at its infancy and give us the feedback, support, maybe investment, just putting it out there, um, (laughs) you know, to actually partner with this company and bring this type of container-based lounge experience to other neighborhoods that truly need it. Our goal would be to go and alleviate some of the libraries that are crippled by all the people that are now working and studying from home and they can't service them. You know, to go to the municipalities and say, Let's drop off a couple of these, you know, units there and pilot it with your urban community with the hope that we can go and service them. And so in order to pilot this, we found our partner. We have the partnership of the city of Plainfield. And now is our opportunity to collect as much feedback as possible to make this an opportunity. And so we'll be sharing more information in the upcoming weeks about it, as well as our location, with the hope that people will be very curious about it. Um, And we hope to get many, many calls about, I'd love to pilot this in my neighborhood. Great, great. Well, we'll make sure to get your contact information at the end here so people can get in touch with you. But wow, talk about a phoenix rising out of the flames, right? Literally. Literally. Um, (laughs) I love that. Okay, so as we're wrapping up, I have two more questions for you. One question is, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Ooh, good question. I know. I love so, that question. I've started adding it question. in. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think um, I would love for you to ask me a little bit more about why we decided to go by the day, by the hour versus doubling down a subscription model. Because I know that's where we get a lot of questions and pushback about why this is not going to work. So tell me why. I believe that we are servicing 95% of the population 
that doesn't need a dedicated office Monday through Friday. And by activating that population and giving them a service that otherwise doesn't exist or is falling short by the Starbuckses and the libraries of the world, we are truly socializing co-working, right? Co-working is connection. It's community. It's collaboration. It's connectivity. Um, and it can't just be a space game. It has to be about how co-working spaces are not only building community within their spaces, but how they are going back out and truly servicing their community. And I believe that's the power of a co-working space. And that's the power of our model. And maybe I will only see this mom who comes in for three hours once in the entire lifetime value of that customer. But we made an impact on her for those three hours that she was here in a private office and spent $30 with the hope that she'll go out and tell 10 other friends and know that her day was better because she came here. There's something yeah, so powerful about that. It is. It's very powerful. And, you know, one of the things I said a lot during the pandemic, people kept talking about home offices. I'm like, that's a privilege, people. Like, Absolutely. it is such a privilege to have a home office. It's a privilege to be able to afford a co-working membership and go twice a month. Like there are lots of people who can't. And I love that you are trying to socialize co-working. I am here for it. I'm here to support you. I think it's amazing. And then my last question for you well, actually, is Actually, if you don't one. mind. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. The second question that I that I would love for oh, yeah, you to ask me, who are my competitors? Great question. I think it's coffee shops, home, and probably cars. Yeah. Exactly right. Right. So think about it this way. And ding, ding, ding. I'm going to, I'll send you a gift bag. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, when, when people look at our model, they're like, how are you competing with a Regis or WeWork, right? Going, going back to differentiators outside of our pricing model, um, you know, and, and kind of different ways that we're looking to service the community. My biggest friction point, Liz, is you taking a shower getting out of your home, getting into a car or walking, we are in walkable and coming here and actually making that conscious choice to get out of your home. The second thing is, is because the coffee shops are the places where people are associating work. With. Um, it's for us, it's brand awareness and the awareness that we exist and that co-working um, is truly for everyone. Right. So I'd say the other competitor here is your own understanding about what a co-working space is and that it's not only subscription-based or for the people that want to utilize it, right? Monday through Friday from nine to five. So my my intangible competitor is how WeWork has branded co-working. And there's so many pros to that, but there are also so many cons for people like us that are really operating as an internet cafe. Well, the good news is they've moved on to Flex, so they're no longer co-working. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, okay, last question for reals is, and this is a tough one because I feel like you have a lot of these, and that is, what's your superpower? But you got to narrow it down to one. Ooh, okay. Hmm. So it's funny. I'm actually going to quote Sesame Street right now. And, um, you know, in Sesame Street, they have this really fun saying, which I've, I've actually utilized more and more. And it's, um, I forget, um, give me a moment. This is, this is, this yeah, is yeah. blanking. But it's, I wonder, what if, let's try right? Three simple, simple phrases, but that model of iteration and resiliency, right? I've personally faced so many challenges to bring this company to where it is today. My team has faced so many challenges on making this happen every single day. But the only way for us to truly meet our mission and our purpose is to be resilient 
but in a way that is creative, that is iterative, and that really pushes the needle forward in a way that makes financial sense for everyone. But that framework, we actually use it every single day. Um, I love it. And every time we have a problem on site or a creative solution or a new idea, there's nothing wrong with testing, iterating, changing, um, being really flexible and um, continuing to service your customers in a way that makes sense for them. So that that would be my superpower. I think it's resiliency and creative thinking, which I think go hand in hand together. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Well, it has been such a pleasure. I've learned a lot more about you. So exciting. You're going to be joining us on stage in Chicago. And I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and be super excited to meet you. So if people want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to reach you? Absolutely. So first and foremost, my email address, and I'm going to spell my name. <laughs> so uh, S-N-E-H, Snay, at fromhere.today. I'm very responsive over email. Um, you can also visit our website, www.fromhere.today, um, or any of our social media, um, our, our, ooh, any of our social media handles. Um, but my biggest hope is, is that I get to meet so much of the community in person. I am very excited for the conference. It feels like I booked a trip to Disneyland, um, <laughs> you know, Disneyland for co-working. Um, yeah. But I truly hope that people take me up on the, the cold emails that are about to go out to set up a coffee chat um, and get to know more about what we're doing and ways that we can partner together. Thank you so much. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Thank you.